You are listening to Press Church Podcasts. Please enjoy this week's message. I didn't even really know my wife's set list. I guess I should have known what the songs were, but I didn't. Didn't know she was singing that last song called Waymaker because the title of my sermon today is Clear the Path, I've Got Somewhere to Go. Clear the Path, I've Got Somewhere to Go. We're going to be reading out of 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 18, and the scripture says, and the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. You see, this is the second letter that the Apostle Paul is writing to his son in the faith, Timothy. He's already written one. He's now writing his second letter. And this is believed to be the very last letter that he writes at all. And the very last letter that he writes is to his son in the faith, to the person that he's been mentoring, the one who is pastoring a church, believes that he pastored the church of Ephesus for a while. And this is one of the very last things that he says to his son in the faith. As he's talking about how he's, he's fought the faith and he's, he's finished the run. And he says that the Lord will deliver me from every evil work. At this time, he's in jail. This time, he's about to go on trial. At this time, he's mere days, months, potentially years away from losing his life, being a martyr, dying for the faith. The very last thing he says is, the Lord will deliver me from any evil way, and he will preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. Now we know that the Lord is no respecter of persons. It says that in the scripture. So if Paul is going to say that, that God is going to do that for him, then we can take that scripture and believe that scripture for us in our own lives. If God is going to take care of Paul that way, and Paul has the faith to believe that God is going to do that, then we can attach our faith to that scripture and therefore use that scripture in our life to clear the way for what God has for us. You can read that scripture and you can put yourself there, and the Lord will deliver Jeremiah from every evil work, and he will, pre- will preserve Jeremiah for his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. We all have a calling and a purpose on this earth. That we know and we see in the scriptures that you were formed in the womb, that at a young age there was a purpose and a plan that God placed you here. For such a time as this, you could have been born in any other time period, but you were born here, now, in this moment. That God has a plan, a purpose, a desire to see you succeed in life. He doesn't want to see you continually fall and stumble to sin cycles. He doesn't want to see you continually fall and stumble in emotional distress. He doesn't want to see you continually fall and stumble by looking inward and woe is me and I'm a failure and I'm no good. No, no, no. He has a higher calling, a higher purpose for you and it starts with him clearing the path because you've got somewhere to go. That God has a desire in his heart to see you succeed. And that as you 
become saved and now are a part of the kingdom of God, that there is another plan and another purpose to be attached to the church and to the kingdom of God to be used by Him and for Him. How does He clear the path for us? Number one, it starts with delivering us. And the Lord will deliver you from every evil work. In Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, Paul is writing and he says, He, he being capitalized, being Jesus, Jesus has delivered us, us being all of humanity, from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. Verse 14, in whom we, all of humanity, have redemption through His blood. And what is that redemption through His blood look like? The forgiveness of sins. Verse 13 says, He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us. That word conveyed means transferred us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. The connotation of that word conveyed is that uh, you would go to a garden and pick up a plant and scoop it up with all its roots and however it is, and you transfer it and bring it to another part, to another place, a place that that plant could not go. If that plant wanted to go to the other side of the garden, it couldn't do that. It's planted, it's rooted, it's established in that area. It couldn't pull itself up out of the roots. It couldn't use its roots to crawl over to the other side of the garden and then plant and stick its roots back in. There's a gardener that saw the potential of that plant, that saw that potential of you in the kingdom of darkness, that saw the potential for humanity in the kingdom of darkness, and he walked over there and he pulled you up all the way out by your roots and he transferred you, he conveyed you from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. He delivered you out of that into this. There was nowhere else that you could go. You were stuck, you were attached to the kingdom of darkness. We are all born into sin. We are all born into death. There was nothing that we could do, but He came and He delivered us from all evil works and conveyed us into His kingdom, brought us into His kingdom, made a way where there was no way for us to be a part of His kingdom. Jesus has delivered us from the evil one and His kingdom and brought you and brought me and brought humanity that believes upon Jesus into His kingdom. So we see from him dying on the cross, we see that he has defeated death, hell, and the grave. He has made the earth his footstool. We see that he has embarrassed the devil. And that's great. I believe that. I receive that. But what about on a day-to-day basis when I experience temptation from the evil one? When I'm in traffic, when I'm at work, when I'm in the grocery store, when I'm on social media, and that person says something, or you don't even know who that person is, it's just that person who cut you off in traffic, who said this, who did that, has he delivered me from that moment? Yes, he has. In James chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, it says, let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. This is a very important 
truth right here that we need to learn and understand. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. Verse 14, but each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. That we as humans have that little thing called free will, where we can go and do what we want and what we please. He put that free will in when he established it at the garden with Adam and Eve. He said, you can eat whatever you want, but don't eat that tree. I have children. For those that have children, as soon as you say, don't touch that, what do they do? They touch that. You can touch anything else. You can play with any other toy. You can touch anything else in the house, but don't touch that. And we instantly see the free will of humanity in my little one-year-old daughter as she runs as quick as she can to that one thing and touches it. Don't touch that. Drawn away by our own desires, but also enticed, enticed by the evil one, enticed by friends and families and peers. But how can I be delivered in that moment of temptation? If God's not bringing the temptation, then therefore there has to be a way that I can resist it, that I can flee from it, that I can get away from it. How can I overcome this? I've got somewhere to go. I've got to clear the path of my life. And it says that you've delivered me, but I keep stumbling over the same temptation every day, every week, every month, every year. How can I be free? 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 12 and 13. It says, Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Verse 13, No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, thank you Lord, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. There's the deliverance. There's the deliverance right there. We have to change our eye focus. We have to change what we're looking for when the temptation comes at us. When the temptation arises to sin, when the temptation arises and the desire is there to do what I know is wrong, when the people come, when the evil one comes and whispers in your ear, instead of looking at that temptation, I need to look up and look where my redemption draws near because it says here that there's always going to be a way of escape. And instead of being drawn in by the temptation and having this tunnel vision of here I go again, I'm going down that same path, I'm struggling with that same temptation. No, 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 we take a step back and say, no, the Lord said he's going to deliver me from this temptation, so I'm going to look for that deliverance wherever it's at because I've got somewhere to go, clear the path out of the way. My, my life and my purpose is so much higher than being stuck in this temptation cycle over and over and over again. God's got a plan for me, and he's already made a way to deliver me from every evil work. The next time you feel that temptation, take a step back and look for the deliverance. As I've applied this to my life, 
and had temptation or sin or things. We've talked about this before when it comes to me working and walking through my anger. That when something happens, I'll give you an example from last night. I got home, parked my truck in the garage, and I was opening my back door to pull something out of the truck. And as I was doing that, the door came back and hit me square in the face. Glasses cut the top of my nose. And the rage (laughs) that is there that we all know when that pain happens of I'm ready to destroy something. I'm going to pull this door off the hinges. What would have happened in the past was that spike of anger of whatever I was trying to pull out the car is going to get thrown back into the car. I felt the Holy Spirit. I felt the scriptures that I've been standing and believing for. I took a step back and I just breathed, rubbed my nose, grabbed my stuff, and walked inside. Nobody else was there. Maddie and the kids were still at her parents' house. It was just me and my dog in the driveway. And I walked in the house and kept living on with life. A couple months back, a couple years back, the anger would have got a hold of me. And who knows? Whatever was in my hand was going to get broken or thrown somewhere to to alleviate that anger. But I saw something last night that the temptation was there, and God was there, and there was a way out, and I just, okay, we're fine. Closed the door and went inside and kept on with my day. When it could have blown up into something and I could have fallen right back into, well, I guess God hasn't healed me from anger. I guess God doesn't care about me. I guess I'm just, I don't know. Temptation, there's always a way out. In the moment of temptation, you'll be surprised at what the Holy Spirit does to help you. You'll get a text message, a thought will pop into your head, a family member will call you from the other side of the house, somebody will walk up to you and say something, and all of a sudden, if you start paying attention, you'll see that your deliverance has drawn near, and you won't be stumbling and falling as much. He's delivering you from your present evil. He's delivering you from present temptation to overcome sin. In the Lord's Prayer, we know it and quote it, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. The last part of the Lord's Prayer says, And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We see in James that he's not going to lead us into temptation, but he's going to deliver us from the evil one. And if all else fails, in Romans chapter 11, verses 26 and 27 Paul is writing to the Romans, referencing a scripture back in Isaiah, and he makes this statement in Romans chapter 11, verse 26, and so all Israel will be saved as it is written, the deliverer will come out of Zion, and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob, verse 27, for this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. 
Paul is referencing a, a scripture that is found in Isaiah 59 verse 20 that says, The Redeemer will come to Zion, and to those who turn from transgression in Jacob, says the Lord. But Paul changes the name in the New Covenant, in the Old Covenant, when Isaiah is proclaiming of the Messiah coming to the Jewish people, he calls him the Redeemer. But when Paul talks about it under the New Covenant, and he's quoting him, he calls him the Deliverer. That when all else fails, Jesus himself has established his name as the Deliverer. And if we believe that God is on our side, if we believe the Scripture says Christ in us, the, the, the mystery that has been hidden through all these ages, it says that it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. So if you believe that Christ is in you, then that means that the Deliverer is in you. So that means that everywhere you go, no matter what you're facing when it comes to temptation, the Deliverer is with you. And if that is His name then that must mean he must abide by that name. If I have an issue at my house, if my plumbing is messed up, if I've got a leaky faucet, if I've got a pipe that burst or something, I'm going to call a plumber. And I'm going to call that plumber and he's going to come to the house and I'm going to ask him to do plumbing things. If you've got a job title, then I expect you to know what you're doing when it comes to that job title. If I call a lawyer, I expect you to be well-versed in the law in whatever I'm asking you to do. If I call a doctor, I'm expecting you to help doctor me up. If I call an electrician, if I call a plumber, you have that name, you have that job title, then I expect you to be able to do what that job title entails. I remember in the job that I was working, I called some IT people before because I had some computer issues. Their IT, their main job is working on computers. And as I was talking to this one person and telling him like, hey, I've got this issue with my computer, he says, well, what have you done? No, 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 it doesn't, doesn't matter what I've done. My computer's not working. I, I don't know how to explain it to you. Why are you telling me and asking me what I've done to fix it? Your name and your job title is IT and desktop support, so I need you to fix it. Don't, I, don't want to know, I don't want to know more than the person that I'm calling. What if the plumber shows up to your house and he says, well, how are you going to fix it? Well, no, I, I called you the plumber to come and fix these pipes. I, I'm not going to fix them. I want to know that the plumber knows more than me when it comes to plumbing. Jesus' name is the Deliverer. I don't know how he's going to deliver you. I don't know when he's going to deliver you. I can't answer all of those things. But he knows because he's the deliverer. So if you need deliverance in your life and deliverance from any temptation or any evil work that is around you, then call upon the deliverer and let him do what he does best, which is deliver you. Don't stay where you're at and keep struggling with the things that you're struggling with when you have the deliverance on your side, free of charge, that you can call any time, that you can lean into, that you can pray to, that you can ask. And he says, ask anything in my name and I will give to you. 
because we've got to clear a path because God's got something for us to do in our lives. We've got somewhere to go. I can't stay where I've been. I can't keep doing the same things that I've been doing. God's got a purpose, a calling, and I want to go with him on that journey as far as I can for the rest of my life and not just look back 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years and say, I'm still struggling with doubt. Still struggling with this sin or that sin. I still haven't seen God speak to me or show up or deliver me or do it. No, 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 no. I don't have time to wait anymore. If He's the deliverer and it says that He'll deliver me from all my evil ways, then I need to see that now. The last thing that we have in this scripture, 2 Timothy 4.18, he says, And the Lord will deliver you from every evil work and preserve you for His heavenly kingdom. He'll preserve you for his heavenly kingdom. That word preserve is one of Miss Karen's favorite words. She's at home watching our kids. They're being healed now as we speak in Jesus' name. But that word preserve is sozo, S-O-Z-O. If you ever talk to Miss Karen about it, she'll love, she loves that word. In the Greek, that word preserve or sozo means to save, means to deliver, means to protect, means to be healed, and means to be made whole. You see, the the writers of the gospel use this word sozo a lot. And we think that it just means saved or salvation. But the writers of the gospels they think differently when it comes to that word. We all know John chapter 3, verse 16, but let's look at verse 17. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. The world is already condemned. We already have that sin nature inside of us. Everyone is already on a path to hell. But God, being rich in mercy, outside of our works, outside of the things that we tried to do to obtain salvation, He sent His Son to die for us. He sent His Son to be the sozo, the salvation for us. We were already condemned. We were already foreigners and enemies of God. But He sent Jesus as a lifeboat. And he said, get off of that path to death and destruction and get in to my lifeboat and we're going to go experience a brand new life somewhere else. He conveyed us out of the kingdom of darkness and planted us into the kingdom of light, into his kingdom. So we normally think that when we see that word sozo, we think salvation. But the writers throughout the Gospels Saul Sozo as many different ways. In Mark chapter 10, Mark chapter 10, verse 51, Jesus is speaking to a blind man. So he answered and said to him, What do you want me to do for you? Very simple question. And the blind man said, Rabbani, that I may receive my sight. Verse 52. Then Jesus said, go your way, your faith has made you well. That word well, sozo. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. 
You see, the, the writers could not distinguish between salvation and healing when it came to using the word sozo. They were intertwined, they're intermixed, they're the same thing. That it wasn't any issue for God to save you, for Jesus to save you, or also heal you at the same time. He talked about it many times. Is it harder for God to say, for man to say your sins are forgiven or that you are healed? And the Pharisees wrestled with that over and over again. There was no distinction to Jesus. It was easy for him to save you from your sins and it was easy to heal you from your sickness in Sozo. There is no distinction between being healed of sickness and being saved. It was just as easy for Jesus to heal someone as it was to forgive them of their sins. The same day that Jesus went to the cross to atone for humanity's sins was the same day he went to the whipping post to release healing for humanity. He's ready to preserve you into his kingdom. Jesus' blood is willing to cover a multitude of sin and sickness. No distinction to his blood. As much as he'll save you from your sins is the same amount of blood that'll wash and heal you of your sickness. And that's what he's looking to do, to preserve you into his kingdom. Sozo, to be made healed and whole. Paul is writing to Timothy in his first letter, in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. This is a faithful saying. This is a saying that everyone should receive and accept. That Jesus Christ came into the world to save, to sozo sinners. To heal them, to save them, to deliver them, to restore them, and to make them be made well. Hebrews chapter 7 verse 25 the writer of Hebrews says, therefore he, being Jesus, therefore Jesus is also able to save Sozo to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. You know who for them is? It's for you and for me. He, being Jesus, always lives to make intercession for them. If I'm being honest probably you as well, sometimes it's hard to pray. You, you don't always have the words you're trying to express and, and think. Sometimes you, you, you don't know how to approach or talk to God. Do I talk to Him like King James? Thou is King of all the land. We worship You. Do I talk to Him just normal? Hey God, we got to talk. If I'm being honest, that's usually how me and him talk. Hey God, me and you, we got to have a conversation. This happened or this happened or I'm hearing about this and your word says this, God, and, and, and what am I supposed to do here? And, and God, I've got this decision to make. What, what do you want to do here? And there's this person in front of me and they're, they're talking about this and this. How do you want me to help them or bless them or what do you... But it says here that he always lives to make intercession. 
Jesus has to know how to pray, right? He has to be the, the best prayer out there. If anybody's, if God's going to listen to anybody, you would think it's his son, and he's praying for you, and he's interceding for me. He's interceding for this church and this community and other churches worldwide. And he knows exactly what to pray. He lives always to make intercession for you and me because he wants to save us to the uttermost. He doesn't want to see you just get to a plateau of salvation after you've been saved for five, ten years and think, well, this must be what church is about. This must be what Christ is about. I I got saved and delivered up to this point, but I guess I'm just going to have to deal with this and that and this for the rest of my life. No, no, no. He wants to save you to the uttermost. He wants to help you to the uttermost because he wants to see you succeed. He wants to see you blessed and highly favored everywhere you go. We adopted a dog a year ago, Buck, 60-pound white fluff ball, likes to shed way more than I like, but he was in a box on the side of the road with his other brothers and sisters. And he got brought to a shelter. He got brought to the pound. And we decided, we, I was told, (laughs) we decided that we were going to preserve and save this dog. We saved this dog. We healed him up. Brought him to the vet, got him some medicine, gave him some food, preserved him. We took care of him, got him healthy, got him well. Now he lives in our house. Now he's part of the family. He's got a job and he's got a role being a part of our family. He's our protect, our dog, our protection dog. Not that great, but we're working on it barks at people, he thinks that, that the, the guy across the street checking his, checking his mail every day is a terrorist, will go crazy. Um, but I've had people that we don't know at all walk into our house to do work, and he'll just sniff and let them walk right past. I say, okay, Buck, we got, we got two different things. This guy you see every day, and he's not a threat at all, and this guy came into our house to do or fix whatever, and you're just sleeping right there. But we're getting there. He's still got a job to do. But me, as the father, I saw potential in this creature. And I've done whatever we could do to save it to the uttermost. You see, God has preserved you. You were abandoned, just like Buck. You were unloved on the side of the road of life. But God saw you. He saw you where you're at. He sees you where you're at now. And he's looking to preserve you. You're on your way to hell and he saved you. He delivered you. He protected you. He helped you. He made you whole all in one moment of salvation by believing on his son. You were an orphan and now you have a family. He's preserved you. Not only do you have a family, you have a father. Not only do you have a family and a father, you have a big brother. 
says in the scriptures that Jesus is our big brother. And it says that your big brother, his name is the deliverer. Your big brother is constantly praying and looking out for you. He's the big brother. I had a big brother, and he beat me up. We fought all the time. But this big brother doesn't want to fight with you. He wants to fight for you. He wants to fight all of those things that are coming against you. And you have a vital role to play in his kingdom. In his family, you have a vital role. God brought you. He preserved you. He saved you. Sozo healed you, restored you, made you well so that you could be a part of his family. You could call him your father. You could be a part and be delivered by your big brother. And then in that family, you have a vital role in his kingdom and in his church. And as I finish that scripture, 1 Timothy, and the Lord will deliver you from every evil work and preserve you for his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. We've talked about this before, but I want to remind you. That word, amen, means so it is, so be it, may it be fulfilled, and I like this definition, an expression of absolute trust and confidence. Absolute. We just flippantly say amen after every prayer. Because it's something that we've been taught to do. And, but we need to understand and remember what that word amen means. May it be fulfilled. What I just prayed, what I'm just standing for, when I say amen, my faith declaration, amen means may it be fulfilled. May that prayer come to fruition. Let it be right now. An expression of absolute trust and confidence. That what I see in the natural might be going crazy around me. But when I pray and I say that word, amen, I put absolute trust and confidence in that prayer that God heard me and that God is moving, even if I can't see it, to answer that prayer. Today you have an absolute trust and confidence that God is on your side. He wants to deliver you and he wants to preserve and save you. Decide today that the deliverer will save you to the uttermost. From this point on, he's going to clear a path in your life because you've got somewhere to go and that's his kingdom. It says in the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. His kingdom is here on earth. And we are his kingdom agents. And that God has a plan and a purpose for you today. God has cleared the path. He has cleared your life path. Whatever is going on in your life that you think has been holding you back, I'm telling you right now, according to this scripture and according to the word of God, you have been delivered, you have been saved, you have been healed, you have been restored, and we say amen, let it be. You might not think that right now in the natural, but amen. I have complete confidence and trust that the deliverer is going to save me and save you to the uttermost. Clear the path because I've got somewhere to go and so do you. Amen? Let's stand up today as we get ready to go. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word will not return void. Jesus, I thank you that you called yourself the deliverer. You sent your word and your word healed us. 
That your word, you Jesus, are full of grace and truth. And that we need that grace and truth in our life to help us get through whatever we're going through in our lives. You've already delivered us. You've already saved us. You've already made a way when temptation comes our way. You've already provided ways of escape, Father. And let us look for those ways as we go forward. Father, I thank you for each and every person here, that each and every person here represents a plan and a purpose that you have for them, that you have called them, you have a desire, you have a will to use them in your kingdom and whatever they're doing in their lives, Father. I thank you that you help them find their place in your kingdom, that, Father, you help them and show them what their talents are, what their giftings are, what their, uh, their benefits and blessings that they can bring to this church, to this community, to their family, to their friends. Father, I thank you that you have businesses, that you have uh, ideas and things in each and every person here, dreams and visions that they have that you placed in there that they can be used to fulfill and fulfill their lives, Father. That we will not, we choose right now in this moment to not continue in temptation and be overcome by the evil one, but that we will lean into the deliverer and see that you have delivered us from all evil works and you are preserving us for your kingdom. You are saving us, healing us, restoring us, and moving us forward into your kingdom. And so in the name of Jesus, we say, devil, get out the way. These evil forces get out the way because we have somewhere to go. We have something to do. This church has somewhere to go. This church has something to do in this community and in this area and with these people that are a part of our church. Father, I thank you for the people that are here, those that are watching online, those that are at home, those that are in a hospital. Father, I thank you for those that aren't feeling well. We speak healing into their bodies. You sent your word and you delivered and healed them. And by Jesus' stripes, those people are already healed. Wherever they're at, wherever they're resting, in Jesus' name, be healed. Father, I thank you that each and every person here is the head and not the tail. They're above and not beneath. Blessed in the city and blessed in the field. They are called according to your purposes, and everything they put their hands to must prosper. Father, I thank you that we are the salt and light of the earth. We are your agents that will go out and share your kingdom with everyone we come in contact with. Now, Father, bless your people, protect your people, cause them to prosper in everything they do, and bring them back safely next Sunday. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to Press Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us or are interested in giving to our ministry, you can click the link in our bio or visit presschurch.org. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Press Church SC and have a great week.